Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. How you feeling today? You look like you're telling the truth. You look really good. Last Sunday, we started a brand new series entitled Love Like This. Why don't you go ahead and say that? Love Like This. And the goal of the series is to genuinely emulate the same love Jesus revealed to us during his earthly ministry. And the reason we would do that, the reason that we would even think about modeling his love is because he asked us to. In fact, in uncharacteristic fashion, Jesus didn't just suggest it, he demanded it. Last week, we looked at John chapter 15 and verse 12, where Jesus said, my command is this, not a recommendation, not just a suggestion, but a strict order. Here's what I want you to do, Jesus said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. We made a big deal about that last week. Because a lot of times what we think is we'll just love one another, period. But Jesus didn't put a period there. He said, I want you to love one another in the same way as I have loved you. And that's a whole different ballgame. In fact, on the heels of what Jesus said, he first started that whole passage in John chapter 13 and verse 34. And he said this, a new command that I give you. What? A, what? a new command. In other words, whatever you've learned up to this point, all the older commands, the old commands, they stop with this new command. And here's what I want you to follow. You love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. The key is to follow the example of Jesus and to love that same way. In other words, Jesus said, I want you to love, but I want you to love like this. And last week in lesson number one of this series, we learned that Jesus loved us by accepting us. Jesus accepted people. He accepted everyone, even the outcasts that most other people rejected. And during the message last Sunday, I shared some life-changing wisdom with you. I told you that when you love and accept people the same way that Jesus did, not for a second does that mean that we agree with everything that they do or that we're okay with it or that we accept their actions and their behavior. We can accept people, I mean make a connection with them and have a meaningful relationship with people even when we don't see eye to eye with them. Can I get one tiny amen? I mean even when they say and they do things and they think things that are different or contrary to what we believe. And in Jesus' day, that kind of acceptance that I just described to you, the acceptance that Jesus showed all of us, it was non-existent. Uh, it was disdained, accepting people, and dismissed by the religious leaders, by the scribes and the Pharisees as being ridiculous. In fact, when you read through the Gospels, you'll find that the Pharisees and the scribes, they absolutely hated a group of people uh, who were called publicans and sinners. And that term, publicans and sinners, usually described uh, people who were tax collectors or prostitutes 
or, or people, Jewish people, who had turned their back on the laws and the commandments of God. And not only did these religious leaders, these scribes and these Pharisees, despise the sinners and the publicans, but they influenced and compelled and convinced other people to do the very same thing. And Jesus comes along, and he changes all that. In shocking fashion, not only does he associate himself with publicans and sinners, but he actually reaches out to them. He gets involved in their lives. And Jesus, he invites a known tax collector, a known publican, to be one of his disciples. I mean, to join his group. Can you imagine, or do you have any idea, how difficult that would be for the scribes and the Pharisees to embrace? Jesus broke religious protocol. He did the unthinkable. He befriended sinners. Jesus became a friend to sinners. I want that to sink in for just a second. Here is the Son of God made flesh. He has the truth of, of, of heaven. He is the expressed image of God himself walking in the heart of God, giving us an example of what God is all about. And Jesus became a friend of sinners. The very people the religious leaders refused to embrace or even associate with. This was a shocking revelation to people. It completely changed their theology and the way that they lived. It was a totally different mindset. Now, please listen to what the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Okay, in, in case you just missed that. To people who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this particular parable. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other one was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood off by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, God, especially in January. And I give a tenth of all I get. God, do you know that I am a ten percenter? That's what the Pharisee said. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't so much as even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This man, the tax collector, rather than the other man, the Pharisee went home justified before God. Isn't that a powerful testimony? In other words, when the prayer meeting was over and everybody was dismissed from church, it was the sinner who scored more points with God. And tell me again, why did Jesus give us this parable? Who was it for? Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. For those who are confident in their own righteousness and have a tendency to look down on everyone else. 
Friends, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that club. I don't want any part of that. Because I know it hasn't been that long ago when I was on the outside looking in. And when I was lost in my own sin, and when I was rebellious toward God, and when I wanted nothing to do with him, he came knocking on my door. And he sent people to show God's mercy to me. And this takes a lot of work today because it is so easy to be critical of others, especially sinners. That's why in Romans chapter 15 and verse 7, and we looked at this verse last week, Paul the Apostle says, love one another then. Pardon me, accept one another then. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Because Paul said when you do this, not only do you bring glory and honor to God, but you emulate the love of Christ. Okay, that was all review. Notes from lesson number one. So if you missed last Sunday for whatever reason, you're all caught up. Even though I encourage you to listen to the podcast from last week. It's free. All right, today in lesson number two of the Love Like This series, I want to talk to you about listening. Can I get you to say that? Listening. And like so many other values in our culture today, listening has become a lost art. We just don't listen to people anymore. Stephen R. Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says this. Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And it's so true. In our zeal today to express our own ideas and our opinions, we don't listen to what the other person has to say. What we do is wait for them to stop talking so that we can take another shot at it. And sometimes we don't even wait. We interrupt them or try to talk over the top of them. Friends, the truth is, we have a difficult time listening to what people have to say, especially today, because today it's all about personal opinion. Everybody has to make sure that they give you their personal opinion. And you can thank social media for that. Social media has given everyone a platform. Everyone on the face of the whole earth can now tell you what they're thinking. They can give you their viewpoints and their ideas and all of their opinions. And we get so hung up, so consumed on our own little spiel, our own idea, that we have very little time or energy or patience to understand a different perspective. And I dare say that this could be one of the biggest problems we face today and the reason why we have such a crisis in Washington, D.C. People don't listen. They don't care about anyone else other than themselves. They don't care about anyone else's opinion. They're all about their own agenda. Check it out. Jesus listened to people. Did you hear me? He listened. Even though he always had the answers for people. And even though he was the guy with the best counsel and the best advice. And no matter where he went, 
whether it was a small gathering of people or a multitude, he was always the smartest person in the room. And still, he didn't always talk. He listened. He knew that sometimes silence is golden. And so he paid attention, and he listened to people, not only with his ears, he listened with his heart. And after he gave people a chance to talk, and after he gave people a chance to express what they were thinking, after listening intently and trying to understand where they were coming from, that's when he spoke. He didn't always jump out right away and make sure that everyone knew that he had the right answer. In fact, on one occasion, uh, recorded in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus encountered two extremely discouraged disciples of his. Now, these, weren't, uh, these two disciples, they weren't part of the original 12. They weren't the ones that became the 12 apostles. But nonetheless, they were two men who had sold out to the ministry of Jesus. They had followed Jesus. They listened to what he had to say. They embraced it. And they concluded that he was, in fact, the Christ. And they were down and out because they had just watched him die on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, so did all of their hopes and dreams. And after they watched him breathe his last breath, they were convinced that everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus promised, everything he stood for, it was all a lie. That's what their conclusion was. I mean, he's dead. And up to that point, everyone who died stayed dead. So they were discouraged. And they were ready to quit. They decided to throw in the towel and get out of Dodge. They packed their bags. They wanted to put as much distance as they possibly could between themselves and this nonsense in Jerusalem. And they headed out of town, and their first stop was a little place called Emmaus. And on the road to Emmaus, as these two disciples are walking along, they rehashed everything that just happened between the two of them. And they talked about the death of Jesus, and they talked about his crucifixion. And the more they talked, the more upset and infuriated they became. And after walking for a couple of hours, the scripture tells us that Jesus himself joined this little two-man band. And Jesus said, hey, fellas, what's going on? You look pretty intense in your conversation. What are you talking about? And please keep in mind that Jesus knew exactly what was going on. He didn't run into them by accident. It wasn't a coincidence that Jesus joined the two of them. He was there specifically because he knew how discouraged they were. He knew after the two of them gave their lives to the ministry, they were now filled with a lot of conflict and a lot of pain. And so Jesus joined them. But again, after he said, what are you talking about? It was the disciple named Cleopas who looked at him like he was from another planet, which he was. <laughs> and Cleopas said to him, basically, how long have you had your head in the sand? Are you unaware of all of the things that have been taking place in Jerusalem these past couple of days? And Jesus responded and said, what things? Again, giving them the opportunity to talk so that he could listen to them. 
And they said about Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet of God. He was mighty in word and in deed. He did perform miracles among the people. But the chief priests and the elders handed him over to the authorities. And the authorities, they, they arrested him and they condemned him to die. And they beat him within an inch of his life. And then they nailed him to the cross. But we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. That what he told us was true. That he was the one that came, would come to, to redeem us. And now they said, furthermore, his body has been stolen from the tomb. We don't know where he's at. And we just can't take it anymore. We can't deal with this anymore. And then after all of that, did you hear me? After all of that, after Jesus let them bear their souls, after Jesus allowed them to vent and work through all of this discouragement that was filling their hearts, for the very first time in the conversation, he has a little bit of something to offer to them. And he leads them through the scriptures. And he teaches them about the word of God. He gives them insight and hope. Now, how many of you know that Jesus could have interrupted the conversation a long time earlier, way earlier? He could have convinced them in a very short amount of time that he was, in fact, the same guy they had been following. See, when he joined himself to the little group there, they didn't know it was Jesus. He had a resurrected body, and, and so he looked different to them. Uh, maybe he was wearing a hoodie or you know, had sunglasses. I don't know. But they didn't know that it was him. And he just engaged them in conversation. But he could have stopped that and shut it all down way before he listened to what they had to say. But he didn't do that. Jesus let them talk. And the whole time they were talking, Jesus was focused in on what they were saying so that he could understand where they were coming from. That's what listening is all about. Amen. See, there's value in being a good listener. In fact, it's going to be difficult for some of you to believe this, but sometimes listening can be more productive than talking. I mean, we always want to give the good advice. We want to be the one that people quote and say, well, so-and-so said this, and that really changed me. You know, sometimes just listening will change people. Just taking the time to let them get through whatever's going on in their heart, and you just being there as a friend connecting with them. James chapter 1 and verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone. How many people? Everyone. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's say that again. Uh, let me read it again. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The language there is not accidental. James says the very first step in effective listening or in effective anger management is to listen. See, there's a correlation between what people say and people getting upset. And when you're quick to listen, when you choose that, 
it creates a, a certain amount of peace and people don't become so upset or angry. So in a time remaining this morning, what I want to do is I want to walk you through five practical listening skills, five listening techniques or five strategies that will help you to become a better listener. Okay, there's five of them that I want to give you today. Again, these are practical. We're going to give them to you all, up, all five up front, and then we'll talk about them briefly one at a time. Okay, you ready for these? Uh, you have your notes? You ready to take notes? All right, here we go. Number one, maintain eye contact. Number two, listen more than you talk. Number three, seek to understand. Number four, resolve conflict, not create it. And number five, increase relationship. So these are five things that you can do to help you become a better listener. Maintain eye contact, listen more than you talk, seek to understand, resolve conflict, not create it, and then increase the relationship. All right? So we're going to talk about those in just a few moments. But before we do that, we're going to take a group listening test together. And the reason we're going to do this is to try to assess where we're at as listeners. Trying to determine how good of a listener we really are. So here's what I'd like you to do. Take out your bulletin and that pen that we gave you when you came into the sanctuary this morning. And you may not know this, but the bulletin's right in the middle of the life group brochure. And if you don't have one, you can get a piece of paper out, number 1 through 15, or you can get out your phone. I want you to go to the back of the bulletin. You're going to see a little key there, a little box, right under the financials. And it's numbered 1 through 15. Do you see that? Anyone other than a couple people in the front? All right. You see it? You got it? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make 15 statements to you one at a time. I'm, we're gonna, and you can, you're going to be able to see them up on the screen and read them. We're not going to take a lot of time with this, but I'm going to give you a couple of seconds. We're going to go through these statements, 15 of them, one at a time. And what I want you to do is respond to them the exact same way, with a 1, a 2, or a 3. So in, you know, in that little blank of number 1, you're going to put a 1 or 2 or a 3. 1 means that you rarely do the things that the statement says you do. A 2 means you sometimes do it. A 3 means that you do it most of the time. You have it? Yeah. Okay, so if I were to say to you, after church on Sunday, I normally go into the fellowship hall and I have a cup of coffee. If you rarely do that, what would you put? All right, if you do it sometimes, if you do it most of the time, all right, you have it. Let's go through these 15 statements. Here we go. Number one, I respond to text messages, phone calls, or social media during a conversation. In other words, I play with my phone when I'm talking with other people. All right, one, two, or three. All right, number two, even when I'm not sure what the other person is trying to say, I seldom ask for clarification or for them to elaborate. I just basically stare at them. I don't say much. All right? One, two, or three. Rarely, sometimes, uh, most of the time. Number three. When people speak to me about sensitive issues, I have a tendency to say things that bring increased tension or arguments. Remember, no lying in church. I've told you this before. You know, put down the right answer. Just, just be honest. Don't let anybody else see your answers. You just... All right, number four. I feel uncomfortable with occasional silence during conversations or mealtime. You know, thir- three seconds of silence. Are you on edge? Or are you good with it? All right, number five. As I listen, I think about my own viewpoint on the subject rather than paying attention to the other person's opinion. Number six. If I'm busy... 
I will still agree to talk, but I usually say something like, you're going to have to make this quick. Number seven, when someone is speaking to me, I'm usually pretty quiet, rarely saying things like okay or uh uh-huh or right or nodding my head from time to time. Number eight, oftentimes I will disagree with people even when I know it will create conflict. You agitate a little. Rarely, sometimes, or most of the time. Number nine, I catch myself asking leading questions to encourage the other person to agree with my viewpoint. Like the Chargers are going to beat the Patriots today, right? Right? Okay. All right, number 10. I interrupt people when they're talking. Be honest. Number 11, when people speak to me, sometimes I get distracted. I let my mind wander and think about other things. So you let them go on and you're just in another world. (laughs) Number 12, I seldom pay attention to the other person's body language as we talk. How you doing, okay? Number 13, if the other person is struggling to explain something, I jump in with my own suggestions and use my words to finish their sentence. Don't you love that? Give me a minute. I'll get, you know, it's coming. Word I'm searching for. Okay, number 14, I sometimes talk more than I listen. I might even have a tendency to dominate the conversation. Real quiet there. 15. Sometimes I ask for the Reader's Digest or shortened version of the story. And I'll apologize in advance for that one. All right. Please total up your numbers quickly. Calculate your score. If you did this right, you should have a score between 15 and 45. All right. Somewhere in between there. If you got like a three, then you you were off. Give you one more second. All right, if you had a score between 35 and 45, you need to improve your listening skills. The people around you probably feel like you're not paying attention when they talk to you. They may even feel like you don't understand or even care about them. Now, if you had this score between 35 and 45, it doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. You're still a good Christian. It just means you could take a few lessons on listening, starting with this one today. All right, score of 24 to 34. Your listening skills are okay about average. People trust you. They like to talk to you. And you're well on your way to becoming a skilled listener, but you still could use a little room for improvement. All right, 15 through 23, congratulations. You have great listening skills. People know they can approach you, especially when they need someone to listen to them. They're confident you'll give them your full attention. They also know that you'll allow them to talk freely without interrupting or making the conversation all about you. And this was the kind of listener that Jesus was. This is what he did. He engaged people. And it wasn't just to tell them his own opinion. He listened to them. 
All right, we have just a few minutes left this morning. And so what I want to do is I want to circle back around and I want to look at these five practical listening skills that I mentioned to you a few moments ago. And please don't worry, these are going to be quick little bank shots. We're going to get through these real quickly. Number one, maintain eye contact. To be a good listener, it doesn't mean that you have to stare uncomfortably at the person and never break you know, your path of vision, but it does mean that you have to pay attention. In order to do that, you have to put your phone away. And I made this number one on purpose. Listen to me, if you want to have a meaningful conversation with someone else, then you're going to have to eliminate your phone as a distraction. And this has gotten way out of hand today. And if the person that you're talking to, especially a spouse, even if they give you a little extra grace on this one, and even though they allow you to interrupt the conversation by going to your phone, they hate it. In fact, everybody hates it. And you hate it when it happens to you. Now, phones are really cool. They're great little gadgets. I can't imagine my life without a phone. But please believe me when I tell you, phones are communication and listening skill killers. And so if you want to be a good listener, you need to put that phone away. All right, make eye contact. Number two, listen more than you talk. Do I really have to say anything else about this one? Give everyone in the group equal opportunity and equal time to share and try not to dominate the conversation. You know, sometimes I'm in a group, small group, uh, with a group of guys or, or even guys and gals, and we can get talking about sports. How many know that sports is an unending subject? It never comes to an end. It's like you can talk to that, talk that one into eternity. But if you have someone in the group and they're not really a sports enthusiast, they don't really like sports, guess, guess how they feel? They feel left out. So occasionally shift the conversation to cover a wide variety of subjects. All right, number three, seek to understand. When you engage in a conversation with someone, rather than just making sure that you have the opportunity to articulate your opinion and your points, try to understand where they're coming from. Especially when someone has a problem and they're showing some vulnerability. Listen to what they have to say. Again, Jesus was really good at this. It didn't matter where Jesus was going, how committed he was to the place where he had to be, and you can read this in the Gospels on several occasions, he stopped what he was doing and he paid attention to the person in front of him. Cleared his mind, cleared his calendar, and said, okay, how can I minister to this one person? How can I listen to this one person? Understanding is extremely important in conversation. And this one takes a lot of work, especially for the guys. Because guys have a tendency to kind of work through a problem and get it fixed right away. And guys are a little uncomfortable when the conversation gets awkward. You know, when people are becoming vulnerable and they're showing a little emotion, if you're not prepared for that, you want to get out of that conversation. But when you're a good listener, 
it's not uncomfortable because you're trying to understand what the other person is saying. This is really important if you want to be a good listener. All right, number four, resolve conflict, not create it. If a conversation is going in a direction that you know is ultimately going to lead to controversy or a heated debate, back out of it. Don't go there. Not every conversation has to end with you making sure the other person knows exactly how you feel. If you know it's going to end in a problem. This is good for family member conversations. It doesn't mean that you can't see eye to eye with people. You're not always going to see eye to eye with them. You can disagree with people. But you don't have to turn every conversation into a heated discussion. If you work hard enough, you can find some common ground that will enable you to hold a meaningful and effective conversation, an uplifting conversation, which reminds me, when you're involved in a conversation with a few people and it starts to go negative, and that's easy for it to happen, and then one person's coming up with more negative news than the other person, try to break out of that. Try to find some kind of a positive track. It really uh, it, uh, you know, encourage uh, and enhance the, the conversation. And finally, number five, increase relationship. True, uh, through listening, get to know each other better. And that really should be the goal of your conversation. That should be what you have in mind when you're, you're talking to people. To come away with, from every conversation and activity, uh, just a little closer than you were before, uh, even with more of a connection than you had before. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. This is in conversation. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And one of the best ways that you can do this, to increase relationship and look for opportunities to connect better with other people, is to add value to their lives to listen to what they have to say and based on what they're saying, encourage them and support them and be complimentary toward them. I'm amazed at how much mileage you can get out of one tiny little compliment. I mean, sometimes it makes a huge difference in the life of people. Sometimes it's just a smile, just listening. So here they are, one last time. Maintain eye contact. Listen more than you talk. Seek to understand. Resolve conflict, not create it, and increase the relationship. If we're going to be able to be different in our associations with people, if we're really going to take this whole love like Jesus or love like this uh, theme to heart, then we're going to have to learn how to be better listeners. Okay, let's just bow our heads for prayer. Father, again, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in each of our hearts, the deepening desire you're placing in us to know you and to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And Lord, it's just typical at the beginning of a new year to talk all about New Year's resolutions and starting over and wiping the slate clean, but you've made that a dramatic theme here at the beginning of this year for our church. And Lord, we don't want it just to be in January or in February when most New Year's resolutions wear off. We want this to be our lifestyle. 
This is how we want to conduct our lives going forward from now on. And Lord, if we're going to make a difference in our world today, if we're going to be able to bring the love of God to this dark world, then we're going to need to emulate and model the kind of love that Jesus showed us. He accepted people and he listened to people. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to become better listeners. That instead of the priority being to make sure that we communicate to everyone exactly how we feel and what our opinion is, that we could listen, Lord. Because sometimes in the listening process, lives are changed. Ministry takes place. And so, Lord, we want to listen the way that Jesus listened. We want other people to know that we care about them, that we don't always make it about us, but we're adding value, we're adding hope and peace and joy into the lives of others. Thank you, Lord, for doing the necessary things that have to be done to reconnect the dots in our hearts. Because like so many other things, as we said earlier, listening is just not our forte these days. We're too busy getting on our soapbox, telling everyone else just exactly how we feel. Lord, help us to be more patient. Help us to be more understanding. Help us to be good listeners. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Okay, as we mentioned earlier, we're, uh, you know, seven days in today. Tomorrow's the eighth day into a 12-day fast. And I, I want to thank those of you who, you know, have really gotten behind this fast. We've had, you know, great uh, services, uh, uh, you know, last week. So many people that are enthusiastic. Everyone I talk to is at least trying you know, to do some praying and some fasting. And we so appreciate that because I feel like as a church, God is responding to us already, you know, with just five days left in the fast, I feel as though God has greatly enhanced my expectation for 2019. I mean, I feel better about 2019. It's because we spent some time in the presence of God. So, you know, if you have some time this week, please, you know, set aside a little time. It will benefit you. Not just us, not just the church, but you. You'll get a different outlook. And while we're on the subject of prayer, I want you to take a minute or two and look through the Life Group brochure that we've given to you. There's a lot of groups that you can avail yourself to, but one of the areas that we've made some significant changes is in our uh, monthly prayer groups. We've revamped them, we've reworked them. And so if God has placed this uh, desire in your heart to pray and to uh, you know, spend more time in prayer this year, if that's one of your resolutions, then check out those life groups that we have available. Don't forget, uh, next week starts our registration, and we encourage everybody to be in a life group. Being in a life group will help you, in, not only in your connections with God, but in your connections with one another. All right, God bless you. Uh, have a great day. I, I don't think we have donuts today. I apologize for that. You know, we're fasting. So uh, have a cup of coffee. There might even be some uh, bagel crumbs left, but I don't think any donuts. All right, God bless you. Have a good day. 
Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.